Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. In this episode, I will be talking about Thor, Love, and Thunder. And we will get to that at the end of the episode. At the top, before we begin, uh, I know I've talked about Ghost Town Podcast before, probably in the latest episode. But I just wanted to mention, I've been listening through the back catalog yet again, and I really like it. Um, I, you know, I've li- I've tried listening to the new episodes, and I gotta be honest, it's it's so different when you juxtapose the newer episodes compared to the earlier episodes. It's it's like two different podcasts, and I would possibly call ghost town podcast hosted by rebecca lieb and jason horton possibly my second favorite podcast um as i've mentioned before i've become a very difficult laugh and a very difficult podcast listener but they i really like their podcast i dig them and it's it's funny because they've mentioned over the years a bunch of times that the the reviews they talk about reviews and they're like the reviews say that they like the banter between them and in the newer episodes there's almost zero banter at all and actually at one point they started doing this break in the middle of the episode um i think it's around the time that covid happened and there was there was a weird turn in the history of the podcast when they started doing that they started putting a break in the middle of the episode um, to say hello to their ghost town government, the ghost town mayors, the ghost town governor, and take care of any business like reviews. I, I got to say, I don't really love that. Um, it was just, it was very, it was cooler before when the con- the conversations just wandered and it was an open casual conversation between two very funny very smart people um when i think of favorite episodes you know action park always comes to mind there's a relatively later episode with the noid the um i don't know if it was like a domino's noid mascot or something that one's very funny and there's a handful of you know random funny moments spread out through the beginning of the podcast and i know jason horton was big on youtube and what happens on youtube is you try a lot of different things and um you get feedback from your audience and that's how you grow you get feedback and they tell you what we like what we don't like and that's how you connect to your audience and you grow and grow over the years And I think that's what they did with Ghost Town. But unfortunately, you know, people who liked the podcast at the beginning, we didn't really voice our opinion. We just, well, maybe we did. But we were just like, we love the podcast. We love the banter. You guys are are hilarious. But at the same time, for whatever reason, they listened to the feedback that was like, we don't like the personal stuff. We don't like this. We don't like that. Da 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 da. And over time, the podcast morphed into something different, and it's just it's different now. I still listen to the new episodes, and like the latest episode was about a 
an asp- like an aspiring model actress a porn star who like moved from South Africa to LA who got an illegal Brazilian butt lift who spoiler alert ended up dying and I listened to it and it's interesting there's not banter in that episode it's just Rebecca Lee ta- uh, reading but it was an interesting episode interesting story by the way speaking of Brazilian butt lift I watched a video a while a short on YouTube and it was a, a a girl talking about her how hot her mom was and one of the a bunch of comments said that mom got that BBL mom got the BBL and I'm like what what the fuck is a BBL so I look it up and it said um, you know probably urban dictionary but it stands for Brazilian butt lift but here's how dumb and uninformed I am I thought Brazilian butt lift, they were referring to the exercise video that was part of Beachbody, like P90X. One of them was uh, Brazilian butt lift. And this sounds like a joke, but I'm not joking. I really thought that's what they were referring to. So I'm like, oh, they must be referring to this mom having purchased this exercise routine called Brazilian butt lift. But anyway, there's actually a bunch of like underground illegal services doing Brazilian butt lift where they inject God knows what into your ass. And this poor girl ended up dying in the Ghost Time podcast. But uh, anyway, I don't recommend doing it. But who, who the fuck am I to dictate what you should or should not do to your body? It just sounds dangerous and unsafe to me. Shrug. Uh, speaking of Ghost Town podcast, I've been I've been hearing ads, and you know I I I'll be honest I don't like ads, but that's not the point of my story. The point of my story is that we have a real quality control issue with ads. Um, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but. I've been binging Ghost Town Podcast, and there are a few ads on that show that are literally terrible. So let let me go through this a little bit. Let me um, pretend that there's an ad for Target. Now, you can't just speak an ad, right, for Target. You can't just go um, on a podcast like, come over to Target. We have uh, pants on sale, $9.99. Come on down. The summer uh, sale starts now. Thank you. You can't really do that. There is a performance to it. And you really get to appreciate uh, voice actors who do good ads that sound good when you hear a truly bad ad. So, for example, uh, so, for example, for like Target, you it would sound something like this. Um, come on down to Target. We have pants on sale starting from $9.99 and up. You, our prices can't be beat. Something like that, right? You got to put some emotion to it. But the person doing this particular ad is... Uh, the ad sounds terrible. The You have to inflect and the inflections are all on, all on the ring, wrong places. But the, the most egregious part of this ad is this it sounds like this come over to target (gasps) target
Target is having a big sale right now and 9.99 pants are up or but <gasps> let's all go to Target right now. This person may or may not have an oxygen tank and nothing against people who have oxygen tanks, but it really makes you appreciate um, companies who pay and hire people to do professional sounding ads and they also hire editors. I don't really even necessarily blame this person. This person is trying their best, but this ad sounds bad. I don't feel good when I listen to this ad. I feel bad about myself and I want to shoot myself in the face. Um, you know, you should feel good when you listen to an ad and it, it should make you want to at least check out the product, check out the company. And this particular, particular, this particular company has ads on TV. So they obviously have money. I don't know why they wouldn't pay a, a professional voice actor, b a professional editor to edit out the ads, the breaths. You know what I mean? Like Idris Elba has an ad out, and it's annoying. It's annoying as fuck. But like, it's supposed to be funny. But he's like, Idris Elba here for Booking.com, professional actor, professional fighter. Like he's trying to be funny, but at least it's professionally done. There, uh, it doesn't matter that there's music in the background, but there's no breaths audible. Uh, at least it sounds passable. Um, but there are some really, that's not the only ad I'm talking about, but there are some pretty bad ads out there currently. And I, I can't speak for the rest of the podcast world cause I'm, I'm only listening to like two right now. Um, speaking of bad quality control, I go, I've been watching movies in theater and there's, there's a quality control issue in movie theater ads like, there's Maria Menounos, and I like her. I like her vibe. She's fine. Also, she's fine. But there's one girl who is clearly at home uh, filming this footage that's that's being shown in movie theaters. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's that one thing where she's, like, previewing movies. Um, that's fine. Film it at home. But... A, it looks like it's being filmed on a 1990s webcam. The quality is so bad. And B, it's not just that. She's actually doing official interviews with celebrities. And she's filming herself with a bad webcam at home. It's so clear that she's at home. And I'm wondering, why do these companies not pay up the money to, you know, give her a decent camera or a different a decent room to film this in. There's also another guy. Um, I'm, if you've been to his theaters, I'm sure you've seen him. He has a clip-on mic, a small clip-on mic that clearly is meant to clip onto your shirt. But he's holding it in front of him and speaking into the mic as if it's a handheld mic. Why don't these companies pay him, pay him to get a decent handheld mic? Again, I don't really blame these people. I just blame the companies for not, you know, giving up the money to make a decent production. I don't know. It's 
it's kind of dumb to me. It's kind of dumb to me. I don't know what that was. Um, let me see what's on the docket. I don't know what docket means. I, what do I, okay, so I, I tried to look up gaming news. I didn't really find anything interesting. So I went to movieweb.com, which I still can't really tell if it's a good or bad website, but um, I don't know. Let's move on to the news beat. No, 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 news beat. Um, news beat is where I talk about news. I don't know. Here's an article I clicked on. Best anime movies of the 2010s ranked. At number 11, Mirai, 2018. I watched Mirai. I thought it was fine. You know, a lot of anime has slow parts that I don't I don't I'm not sure if I'm an anime fan. I got to be honest. I like I love Cowboy Bebop. And that is that's kind of where the story ends. I don't know. The best live action anime added to adaptations ranked. I'm going to click on that. We'll get to it later. Number 10, Makia when the promised flower blooms 2018 i think i bought that on blind faith from best buy i haven't watched it yet makia m-a-q-u-i-a i should check that out number nine when marnie was there 2014 haven't seen it number eight the wind rises 2013 i think i did see it and i thought it was boring Number seven, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, 2013. I haven't seen it. Number six, Weathering With You, 2019. We did see it. Um, again, it just it was fine, you know. Number five, I Want to Eat Your Pancreas, 2018. What the fuck? What do you get when you have a boy who finds out that his popular classmate is suffering from pancreatic cancer in secret through a diary of hers that he found at a hospital? You get 2018's I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. This story of growth, friendship, and overcoming hardship will, as we have seen as common theme so far on this list, make you cry. Accompanied by some great animation, animation this is definitely one to check out. Number four, This Corner of the World, 2016. Haven't seen it. Number three, The Secret World of Ariadne, 2010. I have seen it. Um, I I think my wife liked it a lot. I, I believe I fell asleep whilst watching with her. Number two, A Silent Voice, 2016. Haven't seen it. Number one, Your Name, 2016. We tried to watch Your Name, and she wasn't really into it. But I hear it's really great, so I should uh, check that out. The best live-action anime ranked. Um, number nine, Kingdom. I can already tell I've never heard of any of these. Number eight, Inuyashiki. Number seven, An Assassination Classroom. Number six, Bleach. Number five, Ace Attorney. Weird haircut. Number four, Death Note. Um, number three, Blade of the Mortal. Number two, Roroni Kenshin. Number one, Alita Battle Angel. That's, I agree with, well, I haven't 
seen nor heard of most of these but i agree with alita battle angel i thought it was pretty decent um and i really like that you could follow the action like i feel like that movie cracked the code in terms of cgi and being able to follow the action because you know transformers it's just a mess a mess a mess but alita was cool and i liked uh rosa salazar um so that's cool that they gave it number one futurama revival plot cast and everything else we know um i don't want to read through all of it but i i feel like i want to like futurama more than i actually like it but um i purchased the entire series which now is a lie it's not the entire series because they're reviving it on hulu so i I think i said a while back i was looking forward to re-watching the whole series or watching the whole series and I dropped off somewhere along the way. Um, similarly to how I kind of dropped off of Seinfeld. Um, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I was a little more committal. Um, but I'm not. What is Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey? Um, um, Winnie the Pooh. Child Nightmarish. Okay, this is bad air. I guess I should read this afterwards. Uh, Listen to this headline. John Wick Chapter 4 First Look has Keanu Reeves looking pensive and ready for revenge. That headline's like not even necessary. Um, What Happened to Monday? Arguably the most underrated Numi Rapace movie. Uh, I agree with that. It's. I thought what happened to Monday was very fun. Um, maybe not not on level with a John Wick, but perhaps on level with the John Wick sequels. But it's a pretty fun movie. You should check it out if you haven't yet. Top Gun Maverick soars past the Avengers to become ninth highest grossing domestic film of all time. I was just telling my wife um, on the way home today it's weird because doctor strange is like technically the 50th sequel in the mcu the marvel cinematic universe so they make a lot of money but top gun has two movies in it and for whatever reason top gun maverick is kicking all the other movies asses and i i my theory is that it's just a really good movie i think top gun maverick is awesome shifting in my chair um i i know i talked about metroid a lot recently but i want to continue that uh soliloquy monologue i finished metroid dread and i loved it i just absolutely loved it i think the last time i talked about metroid dread i said I haven't even had to go to a walkthrough or anything. I believe later that day I had to check out a walkthrough. It was around the time I got the double jump and I couldn't figure out how to double jump across water and I had to look it up. It's Occam's Resort. You know, the simplest solution is often the correct one. 
but I love Metroid Dread. I I finished it on normal. Um, I thought I would struggle with hard mode, but I got through it pretty quickly. There is a Dread mode, which I I honestly don't know how far I'll get because I I can't do no hit. I'm not good at that stuff, but I I don't know. We'll see. But I do love the game Metroid Dread. I did go back and play. I'm I'm currently playing now. Uh, Metroid Samus Returns on the 3DS, and I'm loving it again. And you know I'm not I'm not sure how to compare the two because before playing Metroid Dread, Samus Returns on the 3DS was my favorite uh, Metroid game of all time. To me, surpassing even Super Metroid, for me. And I know that might be blasphemous to some. And then Metroid Dread, I don't know. I I did I did love it a lot. So I I, I don't know how to say it def, def, definitively, but they're they're probably neck and neck. Metroid Dread and Samus Returns on the 3DS. And it's funny because I was. I was in a chat room a while back and there was a guy who it sounded like he was a big Nintendo fan and he was just kind of bummed out nowadays that he's not. You know, it, it reminded me of Joe DeRosa, how he's a huge Star Wars fan. But when he started talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi, you could tell in the tone of his voice he wanted to like it so badly, but he just didn't. But he doesn't want to say it out loud because that's a bummer to him. Because, you know, one of his biggest fears is like, one day I'm going to wake up and not be into Star Wars anymore. And that makes me sad and afraid. So this guy in this chat room was like, you know, we were they were watching a, a Nintendo Direct. And he's like, the only thing that doesn't make me want to sell my Switch is the upcoming sequel to Breath of the Wild. Other than that, I'm out on Nintendo. So, like, nothing appeals to him from Nintendo except barely Breath of the Wild 2. And it's interesting, but for me, like, I don't know. Nintendo's still big and strong in my heart because I think about Super Mario Odyssey, great game, Breath of the Wild, great game. Very, I'm very, I'm pretty excited for Breath of the Wild 2. Metroid Dread. Um, I've never, I never played Pikmin 1 or 2. I played Pikmin 3 and I loved it. Loved it. It's basically a cute version of StarCraft to me. Um, and then to a lesser extent... You know, I I enjoy the Yoshi games, but I they don't really hook me in. Same with the Kirby. I like that there's a 3D Kirby, like for Forgotten Land, and I played it for a while. I enjoy it, but I kind of just go through the motions with it. And sad to say, but like the Donkey Kong Country trilogy um, on the Super NES are some of my favorite games of all time. And the new ones, they just don't do it for me. I play through it. I die. I get frustrated. I put it down. Um, Tropical Freeze, it just, 
it's not hitting the heights for me as those the trilogy on the snes so i don't know but uh, in general i'm still a huge nintendo fan and i was telling my wife today that i'm i'm bummed because you know metroid came out in 86 metroid or super metroid came out in 94 and then they had a couple more you know samus metroid 2 on the game boy then they had a couple game boy advance metroid 2d metroids like metroid zero mission and metroid fusion which i do love also and then they came out with 2017's samus returns on 3ds which i loved and then finally metroid dread on 2021 and i know they're working on metroid prime 4 and it's not really my style of game i don't like the first person person style and i just get got bummed because they keep touting that metroid dread is the first original 2d metroid since 2004 which is 17 years so i love metroid dread i love 2d metroid and i feel like there's no point in me anticipating or getting excited for the next 2d metroid because it for all we know it could be another 17 years you know so you know all i can really do is enjoy the the ones we have and keep loving metroid dread um, I hope they come out with another 2D one. And I keep reading articles where when Metroid Dread came out, Samus Returns was number one on the 3DS shop. And then uh, Metroid Fusion and Metroid Zero Mission were at the top of the the eShops for like Wii U and stuff. I have them on Wii U and I'm very glad I have them on Wii U. I recently ordered um, repros of Metroid Fusion and Metroid Zero Mission that I'm excited to play on my my DS Lite. So I I just love Metroid, and I I wish I, I want I want a new game tomorrow, and it's not going to happen. It's probably gonna, not going to happen for the next few years uh, or ever. I really don't know. And the thing is, like, for me, they don't have to have a good story. Uh, and maybe that's blasphemous blasphemous for some. But, you know, S Super Mario, it's the same thing every time. But the game mechanics change. And same with Metroid Dread. Like, Metroid Dread and Super Metroid are very similar in terms of gameplay. Um, in terms of the formula. They all have the same formula, like same with like Zelda. You collect the things, you do the things, you do the things, get the Triforce. But they're all really excellent games. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to the next 2D Metroid, but who who knows when it's going to come. I hope they announce a new 3D Super Mario. Like, why don't they, what's the, where's the sequel to Odyssey? You know, and I, I wish they would make more super nintendo style donkey kong country games you know i don't i don't know what it is about the new games it's just it just doesn't hit the heights for me um let's get to the movie beat
the movie beat is where I talk about the movies that I have seen recently. Um, in a bonus beat, I talked about Ju- Jurassic World Dominion. Um, next movie I watched was The Sadness. The Sadness I watched because they reviewed it on We'll See You in Hell. I watched it on July 9th. Today is July 21, 2022. The Sadness is a 2021 Taiwanese body horror film written and directed by Canadian filmmaker Rob Jabaz in his feature film directorial debut. I've never heard of Rob Jabaz. It is heavily inspired by the Crossed comic book series and stars Berant Zhu and Regina as a Taiwanese couple who attempt to reunite amidst a viral pandemic that turns people into homicidal maniacs. Um, so I watched the sadness. I, it's very disturbing. It's very gross. It's very graphic. It's very gory. I would say it's very bloody. And it's very depraved. And I don't recommend it if you're easily offended if you get grossed out easily if you're disturbed by gore um you know i listened to the review by pat walsh and joe DeRosa, and pat walsh talked about how because the, there's a slow part in the beginning of the movie where pat walsh says that they give you just enough where you care about the couple but I, I don't know what it is about me, but I didn't really get that. And I think they had enough time. They had an opportunity to get you to care for the couple. For whatever reason, I didn't connect with them, really. They're in bed. They're both, like, good-looking. And they're, like, hugging in bed, and then they get in a minor argument. They're, they want to go on vacation, da-da-da. And that's kind of it. He takes her to like the bus station to go to work on a motorcycle and he goes home or he goes to a restaurant and then all shit kind of hits the fan. Um, There's people going nuts. There's, you know, what's interesting is people smile really creepily in this movie. And there is a movie coming out. um, I'm assuming horror. I believe it's called Smile. There was a teaser trailer. I don't know why they would show it with Thor. But it was a teaser trailer where people people are just smiling creepily. And I, I don't think it's any way related to this movie, The Sadness. But it did remind remind me of it for sure. And... Basically, so the guy goes to a restaurant and this weird grandma lady is like pours fry oil on the guy and she like throws up and there's some sort of virus that makes a bunch of that makes everyone nuts. But, you know, like in zombie movies, if they get infected, they become mindless zombies who need to feed on human flesh. In this movie, they become violent, they become disgusting, they become very depraved and rude and say stuff like, some stuff I don't even want to repeat, just the worst, disgusting, most disturbing things 
anyone would say they say it in this movie um for example one guy um fucks the eye hole of a woman i'm surprised they didn't show it because this movie is disturbing so why not just show it there is a real eerie scene where this girl is on a subway and this old guy is trying to talk to her and she ends up kind of like snapping at him but it's a really good scene and that guy is a very good actor um because he's like i was just trying to be polite trying to make conversation i guess it's a crime now but he he was being kind of a pest um yeah, the only issue I have is with the two leads. But then again, it is hard for the two leads to shine when the rest of the cast is going nuts, literally nuts. But I did enjoy it. You know, I keep thinking of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake with Jessica Biel. And for whatever reason, that movie got so disturbing to me that I didn't want to finish it. I think I did. And um, I, it just, I, maybe it was all the sharp objects, um, like chainsaws and hooks and stuff. But I didn't, I didn't feel that way with the sadness. I enjoyed the sadness. I thought it was fun. I don't know, you know, fun's probably the wrong word, but I enjoyed it. It, it was really effective in what it was trying to do. And it was also having fun, you know, the the scene where the, <laughs> I guess the president's um, head blows up. They do have fun with this premise, even though everything in the movie is kind of disturbing, depraved, and gross. Um, but I did like it. And it did get positive reviews. So it's like, I don't think liking this movie makes you like a depraved pervert i think it's you you view it as art um and that's it so that's the sadness i liked it i also watched a movie called hello goodbye and everything in between um, i didn't realize it only just came out in july 6 2022 because i watched it three days after that on july 9th um it's directed by michael lewin in his directorial debut his name is not clickable on Wikipedia. From a screenplay by Amy Reed and Ben York Jones. Amy Reed's name is not clickable, but Ben York Jones is. Based on the novel of the same name by Jennifer E. Smith. Basically, the premise of the movie is this guy and a girl meet in their senior year of high school. And she is very, like, driven. And she has this goal, this mission in life. I am going to go to college. I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm going to help people who need help. And I don't want any distractions. And she meets this guy. And this guy is kind of, like, adventurous. A free-willed, free-thinker. Fun guy. And they meet and they have a good time together and they're about to kiss and she's like i don't want a boyfriend i you know i have this track that i'm on and i don't really want a boyfriend and they make a pro well she makes she makes him make a promise okay we can kiss we can kiss but 
I, I just want to make a promise that we're not going to end up together. We're going to break up before we head out to college. And then he's like, sure, because of course you would, because you want to be- very badly to kiss this girl. And it kind of reminded me of a relationship I had where um, I met this girl who is um, came from a different country. And um, she told me that she made a promise to her father that her father would allow allow her to come to the states only if she promised to marry a guy from the same country that she's from um keep in mind this woman is a compulsive liar and i know you don't know me or her but you just gotta take my word for it so I don't know if any of that was true. It could have been all a lie because she thought I was an ugly ass bitch. But I don't know. And But at the time I was like, sure, yeah, okay, whatever. So we can hang out, um, have a good time, and then you'll go off and marry a guy from your country. And that's exactly what happened. And then when the moment came that we had to separate, I didn't want it to happen. But... She could have also been lying because I saw through social meds that her sister married a white dude. So I don't know if her sister maybe has a different relationship with her parents and she just doesn't care. Or maybe the promise was bullshit. Or maybe her sister never made a similar promise. I don't know. But I digress. Digressy. Starring a Drake so this movie, I watched it with my wife and we liked it. Um, it's like a romantic drama. I had never seen or heard of the two leads, Jordan Fisher and Talia Ryder. And they're very good. Um, and their chemistry is kind of the reason to watch this movie. Um, you know, there it's kind of a weird... They go back and forth in time, and they show, like, flashbacks, and it's interesting. I like the juxtaposition, like, the, the beginning of the movie when they met. They're playing... Or he's singing Twist and Shout on, like, a karaoke-type thing, and that's kind of where she falls in love with him. And then towards the, the end of the movie, he tries to do a similar thing, and she's not having it, and... She's like, uh, Aiden, no. Um, and it was very awkward, and I liked the juxtaposition they did. And I just thought it was an interesting movie, well done. And you're not sure who you're rooting for, because both sides have points. And, you know, her point is like, I had this, I made this promise Um, I made this pact and you're not respecting it. And he's like, why would you make this dumb pact? Like that was before we even knew each other, before we loved each other. And at the same time, like Aiden wants to control everything. And he's very weird about that. And um, I like what Claire's mom says is like, you can't really have, you can't really give a, a relationship a chance when you've already scheduled an end date like that was interesting and i like how at the end of the movie spoiler alert um you know he wants to he wanted to go to berkeley because his parents 
are doctors so he feels like he's kind of destined to become a doctor as well and he wanted to go to berkeley but he didn't get in and he didn't tell her about it so that that incites an argument but i like how at the end of the movie he still tries and goes for it um, I, I think he moves to L.A. and he they show him um, performing at skate shops, which I've I have friends who I've seen perform in skate shops. And he's he's doing what you need to do to to kind of make it in the industry. He's doing the whole posting it on Instagram, on social meds and like Lincoln bio, that whole shit. And. Um, he's being, he's like helping equipment for bands and they end up meeting again at the end, just kind of going like, hello, hello. Um, it's, it's kind of cool. It passed the time. It's, it's a good romantic drama. I like the performances of the two. You know, there's some weird moments with the supporting actors. Um, they're playing, well, they are in high school, I guess either high school or high school grads they were playing high uh truth or dare and one guy was like i dare you to kiss that orange and i'm like kiss that orange you better fucking dare someone to like show their butthole or something flash their butthole um lick their pet fish that kind of reminds me of an episode of um, Slumber Party with Georgia and uh, I forget her name, um, Allie Ward. At the end of the episode, Allie goes, um, send us pictures of your buttholes. You know, just tr- try to be funny. I got to make it clear. I'm not an avid Slumber Party listener. I just I've heard a few episodes. By the way, I forgot to mention this. I went to see Joe DeRosa perform stand-up comedy last night in L.A. Uh, at the Lyric Theater. Um, and this guy who I'd never heard of opened for him, Andy Santino, and he was hilarious. And then Joe DeRosa performed, and he was hilarious. And I know I've mentioned before that stand-up comedy doesn't do it for me, but I guess you have to be there live. You know, it's the same thing as I can I can barely listen to live episodes of podcasts because I don't I just don't like it. And I guess it's the same for watching stand up comedy when you're watching a live audience in front of a live performance, but you're not there. It, it's weird to me. But if I'm actually there watching it live, I, I feel like I'm part of the event and I can laugh. And also I go outside and who's there but one Pat Walsh. So I I didn't see him in the theater. The theater was small. Uh, Joe's opening joke was very very funny. He says, um, "It's very good to know that in my 22 year career as a stand up comedian, I can still sell out a 63 seat sit, uh, theater." Very funny. Very dark material. I hope Joe's okay. And so I said, I saw Pat. I didn't ex- I didn't see him in the theater. I didn't expect him to be there. And I, I said, hey. Um, so we chatted a little bit. 
but we had to head out, my wife and I. And I didn't get to say hey to Joe because, you know, he was performing. He was probably busy backstage or getting, you know, I don't know, getting his stuff in order. I don't know. But we had to head out. And I believe I saw Georgia Hardstark uh, sitting in the back with her husband. Um, and also the, the two guys from We Watch Wrestling were there, I believe. And I... I I you know I I couldn't say hi to them because I I don't listen to that podcast. Also, I haven't li- I haven't listened to my favorite murder in five years, so it'd be weird to be like, hey Georgia, can I get a picture? And like, I haven't listened to your podcast in years. I don't know. So the only one I really said hi to was uh, Pat, and I didn't say hi to Joe. And despite him performing, by the way, I don't know them. I'm just big fans of them. Um. So that was hello, goodbye, and everything in between. It's it's good. It's a very decent romantic drama. That's all I got for the movie Beat. Um, let's go on to Thor, Love and Thunder. You know what's funny is um, we weren't planning on watching it today. Um, I... I was actually watching Resident Evil today, the 2002 Resident Evil with Mila Jovovich because I have been sitting on these two movies, The Sadness and Hello, Goodbye and Everything in Between, and I wanted to record the next episode, but I didn't have uh, I didn't have a new movie ready to go. So I... I actually bought the complete six-movie Blu-ray collection on for Prime Day. Um, I work part-time at an Amazon warehouse, if I haven't mentioned it 80 billion times, and Prime Week was fucking exhausting for me. I'm still trying to recover. Like, I, I, can't, I can't say that Amazon is the hardest job in the world, but I can say it's a hard job. It's very tiring... It's very physical, and I'm getting older, and everything hurts. My back, my hips, my joints, my hands, my fingers, my wrists, my neck, my shoulders. Everything hurts. And um, I forget my point. Well, uh, my point was I, I bought a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have. So for Edmund's sad stuff, I'll say I purchased the six-movie collection of the Resident Evil six movies. I think it's six, maybe five. Um, But I didn't finish it. So I can't talk about it. I won't talk about it yet. But that'll probably be an an upcoming episode. So I paused it. And then my wife and I went out. We got some breakfast. And then we went to the mall. That's fun, right? You like hearing about me going to the mall? The mall that we refer to as the Walking Dead because it's such a fucking dead mall. Um, and then I asked her, when are we going to watch Thor? And she's like, we can watch it today. We're both off. Um, I'm perpetually tired and sleepy just from life and low energy. But we decided, why not pull the trigger and watch Thor Love and Thunder? Um, so we watched it today unplanned, and I was going to say that when um, when the Batman came out, 
I was like, I got to watch it. I got to watch it. So we watched it, if not opening day, a few days after opening day. Same with Spider-Man No um, No Way Home. Same with Doctor Strange. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder came out on July 8th, 2022. And today is now July 21. Um, I literally can't do 21 minus 8. I'm going to guess. Okay, I'm just going to give a wild guess because... If I think too hard, you're going to think I cheated. So the first number that came to my mind was 13, which has got to be fucking wrong. Oh, God, I'm right. Yeah. 21 minus 8, 13. Uh, I, I don't know how that worked out, but it did. So 13 days after this um, movie came out, we, we got to see it. I believe there were five people in the theater, including us. It was my wife and I, I believe a guy by him, his lonesome. And then I think a guy and his young child. So that makes five of us. Um, the I think the guy with the young child, uh, hopefully he's not a kidnapping victim. He was laughing throughout the movie. I, I I don't know why. I think there's something literally and seriously wrong with that guy. I think he might be psychotic. He might be like an associate of Cropsies or something. He was laughing at, at every few seconds. I will say I thought, you know, I heard rumblings of the comedy attempts in this movie my my friend germsborough he's a huge marvel fan and he was like i was a big fan of thor ragnarok and i'm a big fan of taiki waititi's humor and even i thought that this movie had too much humor in it that's from my friends germsborough and then i have a co-worker at work who I know he likes these types of movies. And I said, how was it? And he's like, you know, there is too much comedy in it. People don't like it because of the comedy. And I think it's weird because Thor's not really, he's not a comedian. Chris Hemsworth's not a comedian. So it's a little weird that there's so much comedy in it. So I heard rumblings of the comedy attempts in this movie. So I watched it. I think there was way too much comedy attempts in it. Obviously, I don't think there's anything new I can contribute to that uh, conversation. Um, the things that, like, I... The, the, the portable speaker gag, like, um, Natalie Portman goes, a, a grenade, and then Valkyrie goes... Um, no, it's a portable, portable speaker and she plays music and they kind of like dance to it a little bit. I'm like, this is, this is a a much, this is much. Um, there's a Matt Damon sequence that I did not care for. Um, I'm Melissa McCarthy is in that same sequence that I did not care for. Um, I don't really, 
I don't like the the humor. And, you know, Joe DeRosa rails against the humor all the time. I'm not at that level. Uh, I don't personally like it. You know, um, Ant-Man was the first one that made me... I don't really like ant I don't love Ant-Man the movie, the first one or the second one. And um, the... The first Ant-Man is the one where I had to step back and be like, is this movie trying to be a comedy or is it trying to be a Marvel action movie? And I guess it can be whatever it wants to be, but I don't I also don't have to like it, whatever it is. So I think that first Ant-Man is the the first one to send Marvel on this path, this trajectory and not all movies have this much comedy. You know, I didn't think Doc Strange 2 had that much comedy. There was some jokes, you know. But I don't think it had as much as the Thor movies. So I really didn't care for the comedy. Um, my friend Germsborough said the moment he thought this was a little much was the Sif sequence when um he said maybe your arm is in valhalla and you know when he's when he told her you have to die in battle but you survived and she was like shit it's like slapsticky and i don't it's tough for me to say it doesn't really belong in a marvel movie because like i said marvel movies can be whatever they want to be but I just don't like it. I will say that I think Christian Bale is a great actor. Um, I think he's always great. Um, And this is no exception. I thought he was really great in this role. He really, I mean, I don't want to use the word gravitas because I feel like it's overused and kind of cliche to use that word. But he brings a lot of... I don't know, intensity, a lot of just good acting to this movie where I feel like a lot of it is lacking. Um, I didn't like Natalie Portman in this movie. And according to the Wikipedia, it says the film earned praise for its lighthearted nature and the cast's performances particularly those of Bale and Portman. While criticism was aimed at the screenplay and tonal inconsistency with several critics deeming this film inferior to its predecessor. Um, There's no citation for this, so I don't know who is citing that um, people are praising Portman's performance in this movie. I, I have seen Natalie Portman act in... A few things and I like her as an actor I think she has she's capable I've, I haven't seen Black Swan I almost called it Dark Swan I I feel like she didn't even try in this and I don't blame her I feel like she wasn't trying I feel like she was she was acting in a way that was like a romantic comedy and I guess this movie is kind of a romantic comedy. Or it has rom-com elements, you know, between her and Thor. 
but at the same time it's like i didn't i didn't like her performance in it i didn't think she was trying i don't think or or maybe the director wanted her to perform it that way um i i i i don't know what to say i didn't like her i said that to my friend who is a kind of a big thor fan and a bigger marvel fan than me and he said that jane thor is a very interesting character with an interesting story arc and they kind of glossed that over in this movie so they could have done a lot with her character and they did not so they i guess they didn't give her a lot to do i just think she was a little too playful kind of a little silly with the role but maybe that was the point here are a few moments i thought that i think i laughed only once and it was a slight exertion of um air through my nose like this (laughs) i only laughed once when uh, gore the butcher the god butcher was talking to the kids and he ripped that creature's head off and then threw it and all the kids were crying screaming i that's when i laughed i think that was the only laugh i got throughout the whole um, movie and then when thor did that whatever astral projection into the kid's cage and he said how are you kids doing and then the the lead kid goes how are we doing look we're in a cage surrounded by spikes I almost smirked then because, um, you know, kids in danger that made me laugh, almost laugh rather. And then when the, when Natalie Portman and Thor were arguing and Natalie Portman was like, I had to stay up all night to review the data. And then Thor was like, I had to clean all of this up. And then Natalie Portman was like, there's only two plates. Um, I almost nearly smirked then also. So those are the really only three moments that I found humorous. But all of the humor attempts, it was way too much. Um, I, I'm starting to wonder, I, I don't know why the Guardians of the Galaxy were in it. They were just in it. They were in it at the beginning of the movie. They didn't try to hide it as some big reveal, like some big surprise. Oh my gosh, the Guardians. They were in the trailer. They didn't try to hide it. And they were in it, and then they were out. I don't know if they needed to be in it. Maybe they're setting up Volume 3. But even so, I don't know if they needed to be in it. It was kind of weird that they were in it. I will say that the when they get to the dark planet or whatever where everything turns black and white to me that was my favorite part of the movie and it almost plays like a 20 25 minute short film and and tonally it's different from the rest of the film visually it's different from the rest of the film it and it's cool it's very cool it's darker it's very dark and um bale is kind of i don't know if chewing the scenery is the right term but 
I started thinking if Taiki Waititi is capable, Taika Waititi is capable of this. Why, why the need to do that to the first hour and a half of the movie? This could have been the whole movie. Um, and, and really as the moment when they got to that planet until the end of the movie, it's, it's really not a bad movie from that moment till the end. It's, I liked it, but that first hour and a half or hour and 40 where it's just joke after joke, it was, it was rough stuff. You got Russell Crowe in there. Uh, he was fine, I guess. Um, uh, I was trying to think of some sort of Zeus fat joke, and I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't think of anything more like Zeus. Uh, I don't. Uh, is that offensive to animals? I don't, I got nothing. Um, but that the dark planet. Uh, it's not the dark planet. I don't know what it is. The shadow planet or whatever it is. It was very cool. Um, so I don't... I wish that was the whole movie. I wish that he... And I know he... He likes to insert jokes. You know, what we do in the shadows. Which I couldn't get through. I know it's highly praised. I couldn't get through it. Thor Ragnarok obviously had a bunch of jokes in it. I didn't see Jojo the Rabbit. So, overall, like, it's like maybe half a good movie or 30% a good movie. I don't know. Also, the day after this movie came out, YouTube recommended a a video to me, the title of which was, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen this movie or if you're unfamiliar with the after credit scene, spoiler alert. YouTube recommended a movie to me, the title of which was Thor after credit scene Hercules. Now, I I didn't know what it meant because I didn't see it until today. And I got to be honest, I still don't know what it means. I did stay until the end credit scene. Um, I guess Zeus survived somehow. I don't know how. He got pierced through the heart with a uh, lightning bolt. And his son Hercules is going to fight Thor. I don't, I don't know, I guess. And then the end credit scene, Natalie Portman dies. Sad. And she reaches Valhalla, and she they welcome her into the uh, land of the gods or heaven of the gods or whatever. And I, I don't know if there's further meaning to that. I guess because she became Jane Thor or Mighty Thor that she is now a god and she died a god's death. But I don't know if there's more story to tell for her. Um, cool to see Idris Elba, I guess, in there, not doing comedy, um, like the booking.com ads. Um, welcome Natalie Portman. Do you remember that moment in, uh, Star Wars prequel three, the attack of the clone Jedis 
where you you were sitting in that audience chamber and they were cheering and clapping and then you said i guess this is how democracy dies surrounded by thunderous clouds of clapter and she's like yes heimdall i remember and then idris alba's like i thought that moment was very stupid i thought it was stupid and that you know the prequels were bad enough as they were but i think that moment was the worst moment in not only prequel history but star wars history and i think it's your fault i think you ruined star wars and i think that moment is almost as bad as the call waiting bad the gag in last jedi and natalie portman was like uh, the bits over i i got nothing but uh that was interesting uh, i don't know what else to say i know palm clementif is hot in real life and they're always hiding her in this movie as as mantis as a weird alien mantis lady but you look up pictures and it's like um i hope that a sound effect didn't offend anyone but uh what you're gonna do you want to be ballers shot callers callers um i think that's all i really gotta say about this movie i i didn't hate it as much as i thought i might the comedy was bad but again it it didn't really ruin the movie just because that Man, that those 20 minutes on that dark planet was very cool. Um, you know, the ending was interesting. Spoiler alert about the ending. But he he's like in this whatever eternity moment, eternity eternity space where Batman um uses Stormbreaker to open up this portal he used stormbreaker as a key to open up this place where he can make a wish and everyone thinks he's going to wish for all the gods to die because he has become gore the god butcher and thor of course tries to reason with him that's the last resort gore don't do this don't do this i know you want revenge and you you're angry but this is not the way and then Gore is like, how do you know what I want? And then Thor is like, you want love, just like the rest of us. And he's like, you you can you can keep you can I guess I guess Thor was trying to convince him to wish Natalie Portman survived, but he didn't do that. But Gore was dying, so he, with his dying wish, he wished that his daughter came back to life. So she did. And she ends up living with Thor, and she calls him Uncle Thor. And I don't know if her name is Love or her nickname is Love, but they, you know, Korg is doing this running like voiceover, t- um, telling the story of the movie almost. 
And the last line of the movie is like, they call them love and thunder. And honestly, it wasn't bad. It wasn't that bad of an ending. It was cool. Kind of cool. Kind of sweet, to be honest. There was, again, kind of like, not rom-com, obviously, but kind of comedy, a dad comedy sequence at the end where he's making pan flaps for the girl. And I don't know. There, I guess they're just going to become a Thor team. I I don't know who this character is. I don't know if they made it up for this movie or if she's from the comics. I don't know if her name is Love. I don't know. Also, the another weird thing was the the way that Jane Foster finds out that Gore the God Butcher needs a needs the Stormbreaker, needs the, I forget what you call it, um, Heimdall's um, bridge, uh, the Bitfrost, Bifrost, sorry. Um, she sees it in like a drawing on the dark planet. And I'm like, Really? Like, you you walk into this tent, and there's a drawing of the Bifrost, and she's like, So that's his plan. So that's Batman's plan to open up the Eternity. He needs the Stormbreaker to open up the Bifrost to end this movie. That was a little weird, you know, a little cop-out of a plot point, but um, I don't know. I think that's all I have to say. Real quick, I want to say, Thor 1, I, I remember liking. I thought, how, how can they mix this Norse mythology with Earth? And I think they did a good job how um, he came to Earth and he was like not worthy of the hammer and, and he ended up being worthy. I, I liked it. I thought it was interesting. Thor 2 I liked more than most, mostly because of the brotherly dynamic between Loki and Thor, and I liked how they worked together to fight the bad guy, even though he's a trickster. I have, I think I've only seen it once, and I haven't seen it. Um, Thor Ragnarok, I didn't like the humor, but I liked it fine. You know, I like the action fine. Um, that that opening gag, like, hang on, I gotta I gotta turn around, my chain's turning around, like, that's really rough stuff. Um, but I I don't think there was anything in here in Love and Thunder that could rival that chain thing in that first one. Maybe the portable speaker gag, I'm not sure. But they they need to cut that stuff out. Like Kevin Feige, or Feige, or Feige, or Feige. Kevin, you you gotta, you know, you're you're a billionaire. Step in there and be like, Taika Waititi, I am a rich man. I don't know why I'm giving white man Kevin Feige uh, an accent, but I did. I am a rich white man, and I am telling you to take the take the humor out of this movie i honestly don't know what accent that was it kind of sounded filipino at the end 
Um, I wish someone would have... T- who, who am I to say? The movie is what it is. Uh, I don't have to like it, but... I, I don't know. I felt weird about being like, this is the how the movie should have been. It's It's not me to say. The movie is what it is, and I can like it or not like it. And, you know, my... My friend said he really likes the the character arc of Thor. Because Thor, in the beginning, he's like kind of an arrogant god-man. And he's sent to Earth to kind of... be. He needs to learn how to become human and become humble to become a bit better leader and a better god to lead his people. And by learning to be humble by learning to be human by learning heartbreak by grieving by becoming lost in this movie and trying to find himself he really liked that character arc and the way he said it was very interesting and makes me appreciate the character of thor more i i really didn't like all the the music in this this movie was obsessed with guns and roses um I guess most people would uh, like it. Uh, I I did not. I just thought it was weird. You're mixing like Norse mythology with Guns N' Roses. A little weird to me. Um, I think that's all I got. I think that let's let's look at some reviews on the Wikipedia. By the way, I only recently did I realize that. R-E-D-U-X. I'm assuming it's pronounced redo. Is that correct? I assumed it was pronounced redux. (sighs) You have no fucking idea how dumb I can be. You have no fucking idea. Um, Ron Tomato's consensus is... In some ways, Thor Love and Thunder feels like Ragnarok Redo, but overall, it offers enough fast-paced fun to make this a worthy addition to the Maku. Um, let's see. Performances from Christian Bale and Natalie Portman were praised, according to Screen Rant. I don't, I don't understand why she would be praised. I really don't. Nothing against her. I just didn't i don't think that character was well executed in this movie i guess um variety says there are many words to describe thor love and thunder stating comedy is all part of the package that made ragnarok such a genuine marvel wildflower he also wrote that this film sustains its freshness to the end although it started with a more awkward first act with the Guardians of the Galaxy. He also praised Gore's characterization, a powerful introduction, and concluded the review by saying he felt moved by the end. David Ehrlich of the IndieWire praised the film for its light tone and humorous moments, writing, writing that Taika Waititi continues to brighten up the Thor movies with his own flavor of wackiness, which is as welcome as which is as welcome here as it was grading in Jojo Rabbit. 
However, he noted that the film is clouded by its uncertain place in the universe from the moment it starts. Nick Allen at RogerEbert.com gave the film 3 out of 4 stars, feeling that it was a more or less a victory lap for all that Waititi achieved with his previous Marvel film, the often hilarious, rousing, and plainly refreshing Thor Ragnarok. And while it has too many familiar flourishes and jokes, this entertaining sequel is still a force for good. Force for good? What the fuck does that mean? With enough visual ambition and heart in front of and behind the camera to stand on its own. He praised Natalie Portman's performance that conveys why it's great to see Jane again and Christian Bale's striking role that he considered as the closest we'll get to see him seeing him play Pennywise the Clown with a dash of Voldemort, but tethered to the same humility he brings to his most human humbled characters. I I agree with Christian Bale. You know, I thought he was great. Really creepy, really intense, and I think they... I'm not familiar with that character from the comics, but they did it They did it quick at the beginning and effective. He is a man um, with his daughter in the desert. They are starving and dehydrated and dying. He prays to the god for some water. It doesn't come. She dies. He keeps wandering. He finds a, um, like a heaven land type deal, golden palace of a land. And he finds fruit and water and the gods like laugh at him. And someone gives him this sorcery sword to kill gods and he becomes cursed with it. It was quick. It was concise. And Bale is very good and it's effective. Portman is a whole different story. Um, I don't know. Also, these reviews are really praising Ragnarok like it was some golden thing. I didn't think it was some golden thing at all. Um, I prefer Thor 1. So this is my ranking. 1, 2, and then 3, 4, I'm not sure. Um, I might like four more than three, but I'm not sure. Um, David Rooney of The Hollywood Reporter stated, The movie feels weightless, flippant, instantly forgettable, sparking neither love nor thunder. Um, David Sims of The Atlantic felt the film delivered a usual lightning-streaked action and tossed-off gags, but this time there's not enough heft behind the flashiness. He found it a hasty-feeling mess of a movie, and disappointing given that it's directed by Waititi, although he praised Bale and Russell Crowe's performances. David Fear of Rolling Stone felt the film was oddly unengaging, even the love and death aspects often feel like cold transmissions from distant sources. He saw it as a mess due to the collision of competing tones, subplots, conceptual big swings, and chaos masquerading as pathos. Um, what 
the heck is this? At the London premiere Q&A, in response to the question, how gay will the film be, Waititi exclaimed that it would be super gay. Critics and moviegoers who saw the film expressed disappointment that this statement was false and that Marvel queer-baited the audience. Queer-baited. That's new to me. Jade King of The Gamer criticized the film, accused it of queer-baiting. What? King felt that the expectations from queer audiences for prominent LGBTQ plus characters and themes in the film were not met, writing that the film's creators have been out there talking up the LGBTQ plus representation when it isn't really a massive part of the experience. It's time to temper your expectations and stop letting Marvel continue to queer bait us into disappointment. Queer bait. That's a new term to me that I've never heard of. Um, and there you have it. Thor. Love and Thundar. Um, I thought it was fine. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Fine. Let me look at the MCU. Let's see what's... And I know this podcast, I try to focus on video games on movies based on video games, but I've done comic book movies before. I did No Way Home. I did The Batman. I did Doc Strange. I did Superman 1 through 4. It's in the realm of um, geek movies, you know. So, like, don't give me that fucking look, all right? I know this movie is not a movie based on a video game. I know it, okay? Get off my back. Um, Thor Love and Thundar, July 8th, 2022. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, November 20... We're getting how many Marvel? One, two, three. Three Marvel movies this year. Is it too much? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. That's too much. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is an upcoming American superhero film based on the Marvel Comics character Black Panther. Film is being directed by Ryan Coogler, who co-wrote the screenplay with Joe Robert Cole. Stars Lupita Nyong'o, Danai Gurira, Martin Freeman, Letitia Wright, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, and Dominique Thorne. Um... So Chadwick Boseman died from colon cancer. Marvel chose not to recast T'Challa. So it is weird that they're giving, they're making a Black Panther sequel without Black Panther. Um, will I see it? Yes. Yes, I will. And then after that, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I'm glad that um, Catherine Newton is in it. I saw her in um, Freaky, and I liked her a lot. I guess she was in Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which I haven't seen, but I kind of want to watch it because I know she's in it. Unfortunately, 
Justice. I don't know. I'm not even going to say his last name, not only because I don't know it, but because I don't want to respect him by saying his last name. He's in it, too. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, 2023. I didn't really like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, even though the ending kind of make me teary-eyed. Um, I love the ending, but overall, I didn't really love the movie. The The scene where Kurt Russell is throwing a, a football made out of light between him and Chris Pratt, I'm like, what? What the fuck is this? I thought there were joke. I thought it was a joke, but I'm like, no, they're actually showing a father and son football playing catch. I'm like, oh my god, the Marvels. Supposedly, a Fantastic Four is in development. We'll see if that comes to fruition. The Marvels is um, it's going to feature Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel. Kamala Khan slash Miss Marvel um, and Monica Rambeau. Monica Rambeau. Um, at this point, it's like Apple products, to, to me at least. I'm sure there are tons of people who gave up on Marvels. Like, this is too much. I'm out. I'm dipping out, and I'm not looking back. I'm out. But it's like Apple products. Like, well, you know, my last five phones have been iPhones. It'd be too much to get a a Google Pixel phone at this point, you know, or a Droid or a Amazon Fire phone. Or I got, like, five lightning cables. I don't know. I... Uh, I I think I'll just stick to Apple. At this point, I've seen so many Marvel movies. It's like I might as well just keep going. I I'm sure most people. I actually I'm sure most people agree with that sentiment, but I'm sure a lot of people don't and don't care, don't give a shit about Marvel movies. But here we are. Um. So an upcoming episode is going to be on. Residente Evilo. Spoiler alert: I haven't finished it, but I'm not really loving it. Um, but I'll, I'll. That'll be your tease. That'll be your tease. Um, that's all I got. If you like, don't say pina coladas. Don't say pina coladas. If you like Final Fantasy VII, please check out youtube.com slash odddrummergaming. If you like drums and video games, please check out youtube.com slash drumj8. Um, I hope this episode found you well. I hope you're not as tired and exhausted and depressed and anxious as I am at this moment. I hope, if you hate your job, I hope you're taking necessary small steps to get out of that job and find something new. And I know things might seem dire, and you might be like, no, I I gotta keep this job, I've been here for 20 years, there's nothing I can do, I gotta provide for my family. I get it, 
But if your job is causing you super depression, super anxiety, super sometimes mental, emotional, verbal abuse at your job, try to get out. Do your best. Um, start small and make it big. You know, that's all. That's all. That's that. that that's something I always say. You know, start small and big. I don't know what that means. Um, don't abandon your friends. I hope your pets are well and thriving and healthy and happy. Thank you for listening. And say hi to your pets for me.